let's take a quick recap of where we left off and jump right in it, shall we? We ended the last episode after World War I and the Battle of Warsaw, which saw the development of a stable nation-state as Poland reclaimed land and autonomy from Germany, Austria and Russia. Despite the territorial redistribution, neither Germany nor Poland were very happy with the compromise handed to either country by the Treaty of Versailles, and neither approved the creation of a free city of Danzig. The Polish-Soviet war had ended in 1921 with the Peace of Riga, and the Second Polish Republic had just been established. Now, let's try and understand the events that led up to the German invasion of Poland in 1939 and the build-up to modern-day Poland with the re-election of the incumbent president, Andrzej Duda. This is Matterfile. The Second Polish Republic was a parliamentary democracy with a president holding limited power at its helm. Poland was one of the first nations to recognise women's suffrage in 1918. The major political parties included the Polish Socialist Party with Pilsudski at its head, the National Democrats, the People's Party, the Christian Democrats and several parties that represented minority ethnicities. The constitution was published in 1921. Despite the relative international stability following the Polish-Soviet war, the newly formed legislature faced the massive task of rebuilding Poland. They had to recover from extensive war damage, resurrect its economy, whose industrial capacity was largely under German control, and appease all its regional minorities. Further, the inexperienced government faced rampant corruption within the cabinet, had an unstable turnover rate, and a lot of inter-party tension disagreement and distrust. The nation was divided between the anti-Semitic pro-Western views of national democrats and the multi-ethnic conception of the Polish socialists that harked back to the Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth. While there was representation for minorities through the formation of the Bloc of National Minorities and Universal Suffrage, the party came under violent attacks by the right. In 1926, Pilsudski launched a military coup due to the ineffectiveness of the elected parliament, and while he maintained the constitution, he held control for the decade to follow. In 1935, a new constitution was adopted and Pilsudski died soon after, with his protégés veering dangerously towards authoritarianism. In the meantime, around Europe, Benito Mussolini had been appointed as the Prime Minister of Italy while Joseph Stalin had taken over from Lenin in the Soviet Union. Adolf Hitler grew in stature in Germany over the 1920s and Germany and the Soviet Union signed the Treaty of Berlin. In 1930, the elections in Germany saw the Nazis become the second largest party in the German lower house. Japan gained control over the Chinese territory of Manchuria in 1932 and the Soviet Union and Poland entered a non-aggression pact. In 1933, Adolf Hitler was appointed the Chancellor of Germany Any non-Nazi party was banned, the Gestapo was established, the first concentration camps were built, and the German population was told to boycott Jewish shops and businesses. By 1934, both Germany and Japan left the League of Nations, while the Soviet Union joined it, and Austrian Nazis were amassing support. 
1935, the Nuremberg Laws were passed in Germany, institutionalizing discrimination against Jews and providing a legal framework for the systemic prosecution of their Jewish population. Soon after, Germany seized Rhineland, the Spanish Civil War began, and the Soviet Union was host to the Great Purge. The Second Sino-Japanese War began in 1937, and Italy also left the League of Nations soon after. In 1938, Germany annexed Austria, and the Munich Agreement is signed in a move to appease Hitler by giving Nazi Germany Sudetenland. In the interwar period, the Jewish populations in Poland grew as the immigration from the Soviet Union and Ukraine increased due to a tolerant regime under Pilsudski. After Pilsudski, the number of radical organizations inside Poland saw an upswing, and the Polish government started clamping down on them. The Senate had split into multiple factions, and some were for expansionist measures which saw Zalozy ceded to Poland from Czechoslovakia in the Munich Agreement of 1938. Despite Pilsudski's tolerant outlook, anti-Semitic sentiments grew in Poland in the run-up to World War II, stoked by the Catholic Church. Violence against the Polish Jewish population and systemic denial of opportunities to enroll in the parliament had led to increased destitution of that population. In 1939, Hitler annexed Bohemia and Moravia Silesia from Czechoslovakia and demanded that Danzig be given to Germany. Poland refused to cede to German authority and Hitler invaded Poland in September of 1939. The German invasion was followed by a Soviet invasion and by the start of 1940, most of Poland was occupied by foreign troops. Poland had the fourth largest contribution of troops in Europe during the war, and Germany started building concentration camps in occupied Poland. The Polish government in exile was operating from Paris at this time. A wartime resistance movement was active on the ground in Poland in trying to ward off Nazi forces. Under Soviet occupancy, ethnic Poles were denied access to civil services and all private property and businesses were nationalized cutting off what marginal income remained for Polish citizenry. Thousands were arrested and executed. Most of the Polish population harbored anti-Soviet sentiments, but a few pro-Soviet ideological and ethnic groups did exist and sought help and protection from the Soviet invaders. The German treatment of annexed Polish citizenry was far, far worse as 1939 commenced the Holocaust. Several hundred synagogues were blown up. Restrictions on Jewish and Polish liberties were militantly enforced between 1939 and 42, and a system of ghettos was imposed for the confinement of the Jewish population. Germans implemented laws to discriminate between Jewish and non-Jewish Poles and criminally prosecuted all those of Jewish faith. The Holocaust saw the death of three million Jews, most of whom were killed at German concentration camps or starved out in the ghettos. Around 6 million total Polish citizens were killed during the war. In 1943, the Warsaw Ghetto witnessed an uprising when the Jewish Combat Unit and Jewish Military Union took up arms against German forces. The uprising lasted nearly a month before being quashed and was followed by other such uprisings, including the Bialystok Ghetto Uprising. Less than 10% of the entirety of Poland's Jewish population survived the Holocaust. At the end of the war, Poland's borders were shifted slightly westward and the state lost 20% of its territory. The shift in territory 
also forced the migration of millions of Polish and German citizens. After the war, Poland became a satellite state for Joseph Stalin's USSR. He established a communist regime in Poland with the adoption of the Small Constitution of 1947, not heeding the legitimacy of the Polish government in exile, which was then operating in London. The new Polish government accepted Soviet annexation of areas in the east of Poland and agreed to a permanent garrisoning of Red Army units in Polish territory. The Constitution of the People's Polish Republic was promulgated in 1952. The de facto dictator of communist Poland between 1947 and 1956 was Bolesław Beirut. He was succeeded by Władysław Gomulka, who after Stalin's death in 53 was slightly more liberal than his predecessor. While he still maintained the active persecution of any anti-communist parties and sentiments, Poland was one of the most tolerant states in the Eastern Bloc. Poland had lost a third of its population to the war and its multi-ethnic diversity had decreased significantly. The country had seen a catastrophic loss of infrastructure, but the shift in border had meant that it lost some of its most devastated areas and now contained some more developed western regions. The communist regime nationalised the economy and implemented new land reforms. The reforms brought relief for a lot of the population, but the communist party began to lose support This was because it persecuted the Catholic Church and there were some anti-Soviet Union sentiments carried on from World War II. 1956 saw the event of Polish October, where workers went on strike and the security forces were called in to suppress the unrest. Gomelka took over shortly after the unrest and inaugurated an era of national communism in Poland. Poland entered the Warsaw Pact and Gomelka promised an end to police terror greater intellectual and religious freedom, and higher wages. He increased the production of consumer goods, permitted academic discourse, and created an economic council. Over time, though, the regime grew less liberal and increasingly repressive, and resultantly Gomulka started losing favour in Poland. Their post-war economic boom came to an end in the mid-1960s, and growth started stagnating. Poland was spending too much on heavy industry, armaments and prestige projects and too little on consumer production, and most of their farms were too small to be prosperous as agricultural productivity remained low. A lack of international trade due to the nationalist communist parties meant the government accrued no foreign debt, and in 1960s the number of anti-Catholic policies increased. As a result, rival regimes began to gain ground in Poland. In 1970, the Gomelka regime obtained political recognition from West Germany of its post-World War II border, as Gomelka initiated reconciliatory processes with Germany. While the regime artificially fixed the price of food and other necessary items rather low, this did cause a massive strain on the Polish economy, and in 1970, the regime announced an unexpected rise in the prices of common foodstuffs. This led to mass demonstrations and strikes across Poland, leading to the eventual resignation of Gomulka. Following Gomulka was Edward Gajdek, who promised the rise in wages, freedom of expression and price stability. Under Girek, Poland bought technology and increased the production of export goods and started large-scale borrowing from Western banks. The decade between 1970 and 1980 saw a new development strategy that targeted consumerism, import-led growth, and a modernization of Polish industry. 
Industrial production grew for some time, and the share of export income greatly increased. Despite economic progress, social repressiveness of the communist regime was leading to internal unrest once again in Poland, causing the Zhirek regime to amend its constitution to formalize its dependency on the Soviet Union. The amendment saw some agitation among opposition parties and the formation of other organized parties that engendered political pluralism. By 1980, once again the economy was strained due to the artificial fixation of prices and the authorities had to once again raise food prices. This yet again led to protests by organized trade unions, also mobilized under what was called the Solidarity Movement or Solidarity. And this movement demanded better workers' rights, such as minimum wage reform, which the government complied with by signing the Gdansk Agreement. Zhirek was removed from office and replaced by Kanya in 1980. In 81, the government imposed martial law on grounds of impending civil unrest and economic collapse and cracked down on the Solidarity Movement. This marked a decade of economic crisis as little money was left in the economy and the manufactured goods were no longer competitive by the global standard. In 1986, the government declared a national amnesty and Lech Walesa, a leader of solidarity, established a national executive commission as an opposition structure to the government. In 1987, the communist regime held a political and economic reform referenda. The economy saw a formalized marketization reform being implemented in 1988, among other neoliberal reforms. Across the 1980s, Solidarity had become a symbolic right-wing entity that espoused free market policies, and the regime began negotiating with opposition parties, including Lech Walesa, in 1987 and 88. By 89, several reforms and freedoms had been agreed to, and Solidarity became a legitimate political body as the Solidarity Citizens Committee. A systemic transformation of the Polish state began with the elections in 1989 with Jaruzelski retaining his position as president and the Solidarity elected representative, Tadeusz Maszewiecki was appointed as prime minister. Maszewiecki's government adopted reforms to transform Poland into a market economy. In 1990, Jaruzelski resigned and was succeeded by Walesa and in 1991, after the dissolution of the Warsaw Pact, a free Polish parliamentary election took place. Walesa was succeeded by the left-wing Kwasniewski in 1995, who remained president until 2005. Under Kwasniewski, Poland adopted a new constitution in 1997 and joined the euro and joined the EU in 2004. Joining the European Union injected the Polish economy with a 229 billion euro aid package to help build infrastructure and public services. While the joining of the EU was widely approved, Kwasniewski's party, the SLD, lost popularity due to corruption scandals, among other botched policies. In 2005, Poland elected Lech Kaczynski as president of the Law and Justice Party, or the PIS, with the party forming a coalition government. Kaczynski won on a populist platform that served as a direct precursor to the Duda win of 2015. Donald Tusk, who lost the presidential candidacy to Kaczynski, won the prime ministerial election in 2007 for the largest opposition party in Poland called the PO. Kaczynski died in a plane crash in 2010 and was succeeded by Bronisław Komorowski, an independent candidate, defeating Lech's twin brother Jarosław Kaczynski in the race.
This meant that the PIS lost power, holding neither president or prime ministerial office between 2010 and 2015 as Tusk got re-elected. Populism in literature is defined as a political strategy or a style that is based on a direct appeal to people. Often, populism is accompanied by rhetoric that valorizes the people and denigrates the elite, playing into a perceived antagonism between the two political entities and stressing a normative priority on popular will, which favors the people over the elite. It therefore manifests as an us-versus-them mentality by opposition leaders on the back of anti-establishment sentiments in countries. In post-communist Poland, there were several parties staking a claim, and while initially populist parties were locked out, at the turn of the century they grew in prominence. The rise of populist parties in Poland changed the dominant political conflict from post-communist policy divide to establishment versus populist politics. Economic turbulence and allegations of corruption against the Kwasniewski government allowed the PIS to win, although initially on a post-communist divide platform. The PIS had risen from a dissident faction of the Solidarity Movement that felt shut out by the liberal elite and in 2005 ran with the key message of eradicating corruption from the state. They espoused anti-communist beliefs but were less radical than other populist groups such as the SRP and the LPR. The populist coalition of Lech Kaczynski quickly fell into chaos due to the radical faction's strong opposition to Poland's liberal democratic institutions. The fracturing of the populist coalition allowed the PIS to expand their appeal to the voter base of smaller populist parties, while the opposition began framing themselves as pro-democracy, europhilic, in relation to the populist government. The European sovereign debt crisis saw a devaluation of the euro starting in 2008. While Poland was one of the least affected countries, the PIS sought to capitalize on the pro-European Union views of Donald Tusk and the establishment. This was along with the rhetoric of deception that followed Lech Kaczynski's plane crash, creating a narrative of elite collusion and incompetence. This won them favor in rural areas. Here people were not affected by economic depravity, but cultural differences with a progressive center meant they bought into PIS's slogan of your country is in ruins. The mood of political distrust was stoked by the low level of social transfers of the rural population and their relative lack of income compared to the centre. Further, the PIS began giving cash handouts as child subsidies, which changed the political paradigm such that any non-cash subsidy was unlikely to work as voting incentive. They further promised to decrease the retirement age and increase public spending while keeping tax levels the same. These public appeasement policies helped them ward off any backlash for the controversial reforms that initiated democratic backsliding in Poland. The narrative of distrust won Andrzej Duda the presidency in 2015, with PIS becoming the first post-communist Polish party to enjoy a simple majority in parliament and sought to model the Polish state after Orbán's Hungary. The party strengthened ties with populist social movements and organizations such as the media platform of Radio Marija and the radical right-wing nationalist movement. Since coming into power, the PIS has further captured public media and transformed it into a propaganda machine. After their win in 2015, the PIS began consolidating its power by attacking key democratic institutions, 
They did so by running policies predicated on elite displacement, fundamental systemic changes and an entrenchment of popular support. While Duda was the nominal head, people contest that the real power is held by Jaroslaw Kaczynski. PIS entered a performance of crisis and justified manoeuvres to consolidate power by blaming the crisis on the elite establishment, counterposing the elite establishment and the cause of the performative crisis against the people who were then absolved of responsibility. The PIS ran a legislative shock and awe programme and politically captured the moderate constitutional tribunal by appointing three of their own judges in place of legitimately elected judges. They changed laws through de facto constitutional amendments that allowed them to manipulate the judiciary and politicize the Supreme Court, along with implementing restrictions on freedom of assembly and politicization of the media. The assault on individual rights have come with a nationalized body to aggregate social reform through NGOs, but NGO representatives have minority representation and a normative emphasis is placed on Christian-centric development projects. Much like the Philippines' recently adopted bill, the government in 2016 also adopted an anti-terrorism bill, along with amending the Police Act. These two amendments greatly enhanced the discretionary powers of the Secret Service and the police in Poland in clamping down on civil liberties, including giving police agencies access to internet data. The PIS have also marginalised opposition parties by not allowing any Bar Kukic 15, a fellow populist party, to play any role in amending or informing legislative change. The government has strengthened ties with the Catholic Church and is vehemently opposed to the idea of taking Muslim refugees, and Duda has aggressively campaigned against the LGBTQ movement. The democratic backsliding of Poland saw an ideological split down the middle in the presidential election of 2020, with Duda winning a 51 49 split against the liberal Rafał Czakowski. Most of southeast Poland voted Duda, while northwest Poland rallied behind Czakowski. Political scholars and commentators argue that the win was because the left was unable to present a lucrative alternative to populist supporters that the PIS has an entrenched voter base in. They've also argued that the win would allow for anti-constitutional reforms of the PIS to continue, as they changed the political and democratic infrastructure in an increasingly authoritarian regime. As this episode has stretched on, I will elaborate on the international relations of Poland in the next episode, along with its economy, among other things such as the coronavirus. In this episode, though, we see that Poland presents a curious case in populism and democratic backsliding. In Poland, Absent the usual structural concerns of weak democratic infrastructure, single-party rule, economic depravity or militant nationalism, the PIS has managed to stoke a sentiment of distrust among its rural voter base through cultural resentment. They managed to play up economic insecurities, nationalist feelings and impatience against liberalism and a general lack of social cohesion to consolidate power. It is incredibly unlikely that the rural base is now going to reconcile with the liberal urban populations in Poland due to phenomena such as cultural lag. The re-election of the PIS highlights the challenges that anti-populist movements must contend with across the world in acknowledging changes to political landscapes. It remains to be seen what changes the second Duda presidency adopts, but for now, this has been a Matterfile episode 
on the contemporary political history of Poland. Thank you once again for tuning in.